Good afternoon. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana. The date is May the 10th, May the 10th, 2021. It's a beautiful day in Fishers. We're north of Indianapolis a little bit, not very far north. And uh, today we have a special guest, uh, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I would like to thank all of the listeners for tuning in to the broadcast and also uh, remind you to uh, get a subscription if you can. And uh, those are free. And that way you get all the, the, the podcasts as we do them uh, each month. So uh, please think about that. And uh, moving on a little bit more here, we have uh, a special guest today from uh, Fisher's High School, which is nearby, right? And uh, uh, we're going to start with, uh, it's, and her name is Sandy Taylor. Sandy, how are you? I'm good, Tom. Thanks for having me. How are you today? I'm good. I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, so can you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about your, um, your current teaching position and um, what you do there and... Uh, your classes you have now? Sure. Um, I uh, currently am completing my third year at Fishers High School. I teach levels one and two. Uh, this year I had the honor and privilege of being the level two lead teacher, so led a team, um, five of us, in planning the curriculum. You know, with the high school so large, there's about 16 in our department, and with the high school so large, it's really important to be on the same page. And so we work really closely together to do common assessments, to uh, target students, you know, have the same goals in mind um, and have that targeted instruction. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's being there. Yeah. So um, when you, uh, uh, how long have you been there? This is my third year. Your yeah, third year. My third year. I, I've taught other places previously and had other um, positions previously, but. This is my third year at Fisher's High School. Okay. And your family now, um, could you tell us a little bit about your family? Yeah. Um, I've been married, it'll be 16 years, I can't believe it, in August. It seems like time flies. Um, it's even more so with kids. So I have a seven-year-old boy who's finishing up first grade, and then I have an 18-month-old little girl. So your total number of years, I believe you told me, was 12 years teaching? Yeah, 12 years teaching. Uh Um, So um, I, like I said, I'm completing my third year at Fisher's High School. I have also previously taught uh, Spanish 1, 2, and 3 for Heritage Christian High School, as well as I taught middle school Spanish at various uh, middle schools in uh, Carmel. They have three different middle schools. I've actually been at all three for a while. I was a rotating teacher. Um, Aside from teaching, though, I tell you, I've used a lot of Spanish because For a little bit, I was a social worker for Marion County. Um, And then I also worked in human resources for a large hotel downtown where 800 of our employees, out of them 200, spoke nothing but Spanish. So I can tell you, Spanish is very, very important, no matter where you are. It absolutely is. Now, you did your studies in college uh, most of it at where Ball State, correct? I did uh, Ball State. Uh, I actually went for a, a 
business and then minored in voice and Spanish. And later I did a trans transition to teaching program through Indiana Wesleyan. And that's where I got my secondary Spanish uh, teaching degree. So um, what do you like about teaching? What's the favorite thing you like about teaching? Well, personally, I love working with, you know, the high school age, the youth. Um, and I love how, even though every day is the same, it's different. I love that even though I'm teaching them Spanish, you're also giving them life lessons and you're building into them relationally that way. And you're getting to see, we don't always get to see the fruit of your work, but sometimes you do. Uh, and things like that really bring you joy. For instance, I had a student reach out to me, which reminds me, I need to reach back out to him. But I had him as a freshman and sophomore, sophomore in Spanish one and two at Heritage Christian. Um, he, he switched schools, he moved, he switched schools. He reached out to me to let me know that he took the Indiana seal of biliteracy and passed it, um, and is received that Indiana seal of biliteracy, um, in his senior year. And so just hearing that news, even this morning and, and knowing the impact that you have on these students to, uh, you know, to be able to reach goals, to, to stretch them, to do things that maybe they never thought they could do. Because honestly, thinking back to this this boy as a freshman, um, he, he wasn't a bad student. He wasn't super strong, but seeing how I was able to help encourage him and how he just continued to grow, like that is, that's just such an awesome reward um, to be able to hear stories like that. Yes, and uh, that's one thing uh, some of our guests from the show, uh, and I, one of the really neat things about our show is that we, we do do the the teachers. Uh, I, I sometimes call the some of the people the down in the trench teachers, right? Who, you know, who are in the front line on the front lines as you are, right? And so, uh, and it's so neat to hear you talk about, uh, you know, what it means to you to be a teacher, and especially for any of our listeners, if you're listening and you want to be a teacher, uh, a world language teacher, uh, very nice. Uh, what uh, what Sandy just said about uh, the student and and just how how students uh, develop while they're with you and the the impact that you have on students is it's a huge huge opportunity to help kids. Um, so what about um, what what do you think the toughest thing is about teaching? The thing that you like the least. <laughs> Sometimes it's still the same thing. Sometimes it's still the students, you know. Um, you have all different types of students. Um, with that comes challenges because there's different types of learners. There's different motivations. Some some students love your class. There are students that come to your to your class that already have this chip on their shoulder for whatever reason for hating Spanish. And sometimes it can be challenging to get through to them, to motivate them to work. Um, and helping them understand that honestly, learning a world language is not like learning a lot of other classes because it's it's cumulative. Like what you learn from day one, you have to take with you and build those language skills. And for some students, um, understanding that is difficult because they're used to just cramming for a test, you know, and doing well. And learning a language is not like that. You have to have those foundational skills and continue to build upon that um, and not having, 
I guess the work ethic or knowing how to study a language is, diff is difficult. So oftentimes, even in starting level one at the beginning of the year, I have to work with those students to tell them this is how you should study a world language, build into these habits. And you know, some of them still don't wanna to listen to that. And that can be challenging when they don't understand why they're not understanding certain concepts. Yeah. The, so if, if you were teaching, uh, if, if you were giving advice here about what are some of the strategies you use to reach those kids that are hard to teach? And there are, uh, everybody we've all taught, and there's always several people in each class who are a little more challenging than others, right? And have a hard time. But what do you think really reaches those kids? Uh, what kind of activities do you do that, you know, you find that they really ex re get excited about and react to? Yeah, um, again, it, it really, it varies from student to student. It varies to home life. Um, first and foremost, to try to get, you know, get the parents on your side and understanding because if you don't have that parent support, it's going to make it even harder. And sometimes you still don't have that parent support, you know, with certain students. Um, so that, that is one thing, but also really making sure that that student is valued and important in your class, that you have interest in them, not just as a Spanish teacher, but as a person. I found that when students feel that that value and also able to make a connection, whether it's Spanish related or not, be able to make a connection with you, they may be more motivated to learn. For instance, I had a, a girl who was struggling and I found out she played bass guitar. And I said, well, I started learning playing bass guitar. And so one day we had like a 15 minute conversation about it. And then suddenly she's talking to me more about Spanish and I'm able to reach her. Um, and then as far as activities go, I mean, there's different types of learners. And so I try to, whether it's, it's finding certain, certain games, getting them in the language, whether they be they're through apps or websites, or sometimes, you know, that I have this folding paper method where they're studying and writing out. So it kind of depends on the personality. And I think getting to know the students and making those connections helps you better understand how to motivate them and how to work with them. Now, doing, do, you, do you like doing skits with the kids and skit type things? We do um, skits occasionally this year. It has been really difficult. We haven't really done any skits. And the reason being that is COVID, the, right? the teaching situation, we were 100% virtual uh -huh. for part of it. And then uh, currently I'm doing online and in person. And so trying to do skits that way um, this year really hasn't it's tough hasn't to do. It's been, well, yeah. it, it, it's I'm sure it's it was difficult, right, with the oral part of this, of yes. language learning, right, to have oral tests and, and yes. have the students really get involved in the speaking had to be a challenge, right? That must have been very Not just oral, I mean, any test in, in general, because especially when they're all virtual, you know, kids typing things into translator, what do they really know, what, you know, what they don't know this year. Um, sometimes it was obvious because, you know, like I said, she is wearing Ella Yeva, and then I would have a student put Esta Yevando, which is a present progressive form we didn't even talk about. So sometimes it was obvious. Um, but yeah, the, the speaking part has definitely been challenging this year um, because kids have different home lives, and, you know, there's background noises, so you're trying to get them to repeat Spanish or 
yes. that that makes it that makes it challenging. Or even in the classroom, you know, they're they're wearing the mask. I'm wearing a mask. You know, our, our mouths are covered. It kind of makes it hard to hear, to pronounce, to see, to see that. Yes. And so that definitely has been a challenge. Been a formidable, very difficult. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Now. What about traveling now? What's what are some of your favorite places to visit where Spanish is spoken? Well, I would have to say probably my favorite place, uh, even though I am Mexican and I've been to various parts of Mexico, you can visit family or on vacation. Um, it has been Madrid, and a shout out to you, Tom, for your summer program. <laughs> so I got to do that. Right. Uh, I don't know how many years has it been now. Has it been three? At least, probably. It's been, three, it's been several years. Three or four. Um, that was just such a that was such a good memory. Um, it was so good because we had, you know, actual native speakers there giving us tour guides. Um, the person happened to be a teacher there, so getting to hear her perspective of what it was like to teach Spanish there, um, and getting to see the different museums, the food, the life, while creating lessons. Uh, that was probably one of my favorite trips. That I've been on. Yeah, well, th- thank you very much. Uh, we, we're very proud of our trips, and you know, we we have one in Cuba now, Havana, Cuba, and uh, we also have one in, in Guadalajara, in Mexico. But uh, the the trip in Madrid is very special. It, it it the the fun part is being out in the street, right? Every day we're out in the street. We have classes in the street. We actually did many methods. We do that in the streets on the streets of Madrid. And then when your uh, your uh, native teachers from Estudio San Pedro, when they teach, you're also on the street, right? And you, you know, right. it's just so neat to be right in the middle of culture, right, in live. It's just fascinating, mm-hmm. yeah, fascinating to, to watch. Um, now, um, so what about Mexico? What part of Mexico are you from? Oh, well, I was born You're, in the United States. Both but, of my parents were born in Mexico. Okay, my mom is from uh, Monterrey, and my dad is from Morelia and um, Mexico City. Wow. So Monterrey right now is... Now, are they both living in Indianapolis? They, they both live in the, the U.S. They, they've been in the U.S. for uh-huh. quite some time. Um, my mom moved here, I guess, when she was in eighth grade. <laughs> and my dad, wow. he was... Uh, freshman, I want to say in college, so many, many years ago. Okay. Uh, that they've been, they have, yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Um, so, what's why is it so important to study a world language today? What, why do you think students should study a world language? Well, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why, right? Um, if, if you just even look at the statistics of kids who study a world language, usually they do better academically in other um, content areas as well. Like I, I was talked about earlier, it's a cumulative thing. It, it, there's a different part of your brain that works with it. And so um, it, it, helps in, it helps in studying and, and learning study methods. Um, the world today, even though it's huge, in a sense, is you know becoming smaller. Things like Zoom, things like technology, and you can connect to so many different people. Aside from, aside from English, I mean, Spanish is one of the major languages being spoken, right? Um, and so you can reach so many other people. Um, I already told you that you know several years ago I had a human resources job and 200 out of 800 spoke nothing but Spanish. Um, 
there's, you go, kid, if a kid wants to, you know, they want to do business or go into a business meeting, sure, you can have a translator, but how many things are you going to miss being said, or if they have other worries or things that aren't being translated that you could do better uh, just because you are able to speak a language, you can connect better um, with, with those people. And, and it just opens up so much more opportunity. So, Sandy, how did you get interested in Spanish? Well, it's funny. You would think that maybe I would be interested because I am 100% Mexican. But I actually, Spanish wasn't on my radar when I went to graduate. Um, I, I went to Ball State, and because I had taken so many years, they made me take a placement exam. And so I placed really high and only had a couple of semesters left to um, get a minor. So I, I decided, you know, why not go, go that route? But then I discovered, I, I mean, I was, I was reminded how important it is, you know, not just, not just for my heritage, but with the business degree I have, seeing how many doors open, how it's important. Um, and I mean, I guess that that's how I got interest, interested in doing that. And then with teaching, I see the value in showing, sharing that with students um, and encouraging them now, like, hey, let's let's try to maybe think about studying this, whether it's a minor or a degree. So encouraging them now, I'm not sure I ever had that type of encouragement when I was in high school from my teachers. And so I try to encourage them. I also, with the world we live in, you know, with the different racial issues or whatever, I, I am 100% Mexican, but I break every single stereotype out there. And so I, I welcome questions from the kids I, to talk to them. I've made some really neat connections with other Hispanic students this year. Um, and, you know, what it's like navigating, navigating that. And so I really, I really enjoy being a Spanish teacher and speaking into the kids' lives and letting them know, forgive me for saying this, but like, I've heard this so often, like, I'm not going to work at McDonald's or I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, do landscaping. And I just have to tell the kids, there are so many prominent Hispanics out there that do so much more than that. Um, and I'm actually glad that I was able to be in the business world and share that with them and talk to them about the importance of language and breaking down those stereotypes that we see. Correct. Yes. And that's, that's an excellent point uh, to break down the stereotypes that uh, the Latino students many times uh, uh, run into. Correct. Because it's, uh, it is um, a lot, you know, for the kids to have to put up with sometimes and uh, as far as the, the prejudice factor goes. Um, so uh, what are some of your special memories about teaching Spanish and some of your favorite students? Yeah, well, I just shared that a memory that was just made today yes. when I, um, I received a phone, phone call to my school phone about that student who... I had had several years ago, who now is a senior and he's graduating from Seal of Biliteracy. So that is going into the memory books for sure. Um, I just, like I said, it's, even though I teach, I teach Spanish, it, it's more than that. I have, you know, a memory of, of this girl who needed some extra motivations. And so I would give her these little, well, this was at Heritage Christian. So but I would give her these little life lessons and she kept all of them and put them into a scrapbook binder and had them for the whole year. And she shared that with me. And so to see the impact I had on her that way, um, 
is amazing. Some other, I don't know, some other um, memories I have are helping students learn Spanish more than just the classroom. Um, if they're going, you know, on trips, whether it's like a mission trip to build a house or do this, they, they ask for additional help. And what are some phrases I can say? What can I do here? And so seeing that interest outside of the classroom always excites me. Then yes. getting to use it in a practical way. Um, one of the funniest memories I had was, uh, it was actually a level three Spanish class where the students were talking about jobs and they were talking about abogados, lawyers, but they got the word wrong and they were talking about, uh, sorry, there was a how-to video for cooking and they were talking about avocados. And so they were talking about cutting the avocado, but instead of avocado, they kept accidentally saying avogado. <laughs> so they were they were cooking in a, a lawyer, you know, and adding it to their food. So um, it's just it's just kind of a, a funny memory that's, that I that's have. Neat. There yes, are, that's that's yeah, neat. a lot of joys in teaching and just. Yeah. Now, who um, do you have any special teacher in high school that influenced you about Spanish at all, or? Uh, or language study? Um, I guess there there would be one um, who influenced, and I speak to him every now and then. Um, it was Todd Hawkins at Carmel High School. Uh, he was my fourth year student. Great, great teacher. teacher. Very creative, right? Very, isn't, mm-hmm. isn't he the music person? He is very creative. And he's and written a lot of materials. talking about um, teachers who connect with the student even beyond, you know, Yes. teaching language and I am creative I have a music degree and so yeah. him and doing that pursuing that passion and he actually taught us some songs in Spanish you know to help us learn well, rhetoric and he's and, written he's written a uh, lot of materials yeah. right I think he's written materials that he shares with teachers he, he mm-hmm. an extremely creative teacher incredible yeah. um yeah it's, you're you're very blessed I think that you have you, you had him especially uh, the impact of music in, in the teaching, right? The, uh, the song and music is so important. Um, now, so um, what tips would you give a teacher about teaching a world language? What do you think, um, what kind of tips would you give them to uh, make it somewhat easy? <laughs> so make teaching uh, more uh, easier, I guess, easier uh, what do you yeah. think? Um, first, well, I mean, first thing is, what I mean, what I've learned is you have to have patience and flexibility because you never know. Like I said, teaching is the same every day, but then it's it's different. And it can even be different from class period to class period, the way it falls on students. So you have to have adaptability to be able to switch um, lesson plans or see where what kid needs what. Um, even, like I said, by class period to class period, being creative is definitely helpful in being able to do that. Um, connecting with the students, making material relevant. Um, uh, I think actually I might have gotten it from you on Facebook, but there was there's the whole thing with Bernie Sanders, the Donde Esta Bernie song. Oh, yes. um, and so we were happened to be learning about places in Spanish yes. one. And so I remember I put it in my PowerPoint and the kids, they just had a hoot with it. They absolutely loved it. We actually brought it back last week because oh, they were feeling and they wanted that, to see it again. Is that where I'm going on a chair near Bernie? Yeah, or that's like Bernie's that. in a chair. It's like, don't they stop the anime? Where is he? And then it's yeah. not biblioteca and yeah. he's in these different places. Yes, that's um, funny. Um, and so just making it relevant to the culture, especially kids these days, they have 
Um, I don't remember what what the statistic is, but they have a shorter attention span. So to keep them engaged, to keep their attention there, um, it's easier to do that when you have something that is relevant to their culture, to what is going on, and being able to do that. So, and again, getting them to see the importance of, oh, you're not just here to learn Spanish because you have to have us to graduate or because your mom says you have to be here. There is value in what you're doing. Yes. There will be value in it. Now, your favorite teaching strategies, what would those probably be? In a normal classroom situation, not during COVID, but in a normal classroom, what are your favorite strategies? Like, I, I'm pretty sure that if I recall correctly from Madrid, uh, you really are into a lot of uh, the small group, student-centered activities, correct? Yes, I do. I do like to have them do a lot of partner small group activities. Um, I would have them actually switch partners about every two weeks so they get used to speaking to a variety of people. Um because I think so often, like, they just hear my voice, and they can only stand, understand my voice when speaking Spanish. And so I want them to hear a variety of accents, a variety of people. Um, but, yes, I, I like different uh, activities where they are involved and working together. Um, and then we can come together corporately and learn from each other. Or they'll, they'll do pairs and then groups. But I feel like when they're doing that, there's more ownership. There's more, in, there's more engagement than me just sitting up and talking and them listening. I like to see them. I mean, there are times where I have to do that, giving them a lesson, but then I like to give it over and I like to see them be engaged and take ownership of it and see what they can do with it. Right. So, yeah. Now, what, what are your favorite uh, uh, techie tools for teaching? What do you like to use the most? Uh, well, goodness. Um, there are a lot. And I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what I what I keep next year. I feel like this year, um, with the way it has been, um, I'm hopefully we'll never have to use Zoom again. <laughs> I, I can do without Zoom. I prefer that, you know, in-person live teaching. But there have been so many different apps, um, which makes it great because you can keep things fresh. Right. Um, but you have, I mean, you have PowerPoint, Google Slides. Um, there are platforms in other themselves that can be used Canvas, and so there are things that I can do on that. I know other schools have something called Moodle. I don't know what other platforms are out there that they can uh, do more things. But there's uh, there's Ed for like flipped lessons. Sometimes there's there's Ed Puzzle where you can show videos and have put kids ask questions. There's Nearpod, which has developed a lot. There are a lot of things you can do. Where the kids can read along and they can draw understanding. There's questions they can do. There's interactive collaborate collaboration boards. Um, I've used Padlet. Uh, there's there's a game for like question and teaching called quizzes. There's obviously a Quizlet, Quizlet Live. Something newer that I've used recently that the kids love is called Look It, which is again it's good for review and ask questions and multiple choice. Um, I'm trying to think. There's Adobe Spark, which is free. Adobe Spark Video. So when they've had to do video projects, and it's really user friendly, they can create videos or put like picture slideshows and record their voice and put in sounds. Um, I mean, Kahoot has been around for a while. There's, I mean, there's there's so much there's so much out there, and I feel like there's there's more and more that I'm learning about new things. 
you know, so, all the time. So percentage-wise, uh, I remember from Madrid that uh, I think I called you the, the, the La Techie, verdad? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, you were so good at the technology. It was astounding for the listeners. And I re- recall how you were able to do things so quickly and with the tools and the apps that you could pull up. And we, we talked a lot about your technology skills then and I'm sure they're much better now they were good then though and uh, very good in fact Um, where does technology go then where are we headed with the technology Um, so we're we're in this technology uh, bubble of sorts you know and especially with COVID but when everything uh, when everything clears the air it gets cleared of everything where are we going to be? Are we going to be more live than we were or about the same as with technology? Are we going to be more technology than live and more interactive? Um, I guess. I definitely, definitely think so. Hypothetically speaking, next year, if there were no Zoom and I'm teaching live in a classroom, just with, like I was talking about, the attention span of students, you know, they love TikTok. Right. Um, they love all these different apps. I think in order to keep up with the students and in order to keep them engaged, that we have to bring more technology into the classroom um, and do, I, I really try to do a wide variety of activities. So um, I try to break it up while I'll do, I'll do some teaching and then some group activities, some technology. Um, and sometimes it's multiple yeah. things of that within a class period, yeah. but it's, it honestly is, most days it's like a constant move, 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 move from this activity to this activity, um, not spending too long on one because their attention span um, is, is just yeah. is just different. Well, in 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 uh, the the technology is uh, is fun, and it, it makes uh, it obviously makes a, uh, the learning language a little bit uh, you know different different angle, but. Uh, the live, the live things really have a, a benefit, right? Of, yes, you know, absolutely. You're, and I you're working use with technology human, just yeah. for using technology. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. It's more for for a review or to get practice with what we just right. did. Yeah. But the kids need that production. They need to be able to speak. They need to be able yes. to write, and then we can add in. It, sometimes, like some of the technology. I'm not saying always. But some of the technology games or things we do, it's almost like a reward after you've done, you know, this writing after you've done this piece and shown me. Now we can, yes. you know, do this. Yes. Game to review vocab or something like that. So out of a given class, let's say, how long are your classes? Are fifty minutes? Well, um, they were fifty minutes, but we switched the block, so now we have eighty-five minutes. Whoa, with the kids, that's which right. means you really have to. <laughs> You gotta really, you don't really have, to, have to break it up. <laughs> Otherwise, it can become daunting. And as far as I know, we're doing block next year as well. So, um, yeah, you really have to to space out your classes and activities to keep them engaged for an hour and a half of time. I remember years back we had a. I was teaching in a school where we had the modular schedule, mods, mod, mods they call them, and we had twice one semester. We only did it for two years, and then I, everybody got exhausted. But one semester, I had 12 classes, 12 classes a day. Wow. And the classes would only meet 22 minutes. And uh, 
it was a it, it, it was an experimental school. It was a middle school, uh, one of my early early assignments. But it was a middle school, and it was an open concept school. There were no walls, no walls. It was very uh, different, you know, and the creative. And the whole thing was about creativity. The students were hard to motivate. The great majority of them. Um, uh -huh. And it was very difficult teaching, but here's the astounding thing. It was one of the most creative places I ever taught. And we had probably some of the most creative uh, uh, teachers I've ever run into that were in that building. And uh, so I just learned an incredible amount about teaching uh, mm -hmm. because of the, the creativity factor. And we had no walls. And... Uh, and our whole thing, it was an experimental school. We, we, we just create stuff. All, every day we would spin things off and try to have different methods and different techniques and uh, to, to keep the kids interested. But you know, by and large, when the kids got out of school and, and the years passed, many of them did well. They did very, very well, you know, uh, those, the, the kids. But it was, uh, it was the idea, as you mentioned earlier, to try a lot of things, right, and different different activities, and um, and some that, will succeed and some will fail. But yes, we were talking about earlier, like what's one of the keys of being a teach, like uh, not just a world language teacher, but teacher in general, yes. is you have to be willing to try um, different things. Yes, exactly. And then um, so it, it, the the idea of having lots of activities and. Uh, and, you know, technology has its place. And as you said, you know, you know, maybe it's 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. But as long as you still have the live, you know, interactive, tremendously student-centered class, you're, mm -hmm. you're going to reach a lot of kids, right? I mean, you're going to really, you know, it's going to be fun. And there'll be a lot of kids that, uh, that are reached. Um, what about um, um, as we... Uh, Talk about creativity. This is another interesting thing. Uh, how would you describe a creative teacher? Okay, well, again, I think it is trying new things to reach to reach students to say, okay, this didn't work. What can I do differently? Um, but it's more than that. Like, because you can be creative in thought and have these thoughts. Uh, but it's actually implementing and saying, okay, this may fail, but we don't know until we try. So what is the best way to reach the student who's, who is struggling? Um, and just, just trying to come up with different, you know, either ideas, methods of teaching, games, we're looking at concepts, um, not being afraid to incorporate, you know, um, I don't know other like other other connections to them, um, like my artistic students. Like we're doing we're doing uh, parts of the body, and so giving them you know some some art in there to be able to do that. In addition to you know labeling body parts, um, but really just being adaptable and being willing to try new things and hear input from other teachers. You know I, I've been teaching twelve years. You've been teaching longer. I would love. You know, you're full of wisdom. Other teachers are full of wisdom. So collaborating collaborating with one another, getting different ideas, seeing what worked for them, what didn't work for them. 
um, I think it, I think it's good to have colleagues and, and friends that you can talk to about different teaching methods and get get ideas. Um, and, and would you say that creativity ha has a huge amount to do with the risk taking that goes on in the classroom when the teacher risk takes a little bit? I again, I think I think so for implementing creativity because you can have these creative thoughts to do that, but. In order to really execute that creativity, it's being willing to take those risks, even if you know something may not go as planned. But being willing to do that and, and try, um, I, I definitely think um, that being able to take, being willing to take those risks is huge. Yeah. Now, when when uh, people look for teaching jobs, for example, uh, I had a, uh, a teacher come up to me once. At a, I think it was ACFL, an ACFL conference, and uh, I was at my booth, and he came by, and we were talking. He said he was really frustrated with the school he was teaching at, and I said, "Well, you know, you don't have to stay there." And but he could do nothing hardly. There was no creativity going on, mm -hmm. and uh, very little creativity. And uh, you know, I suggest I just said, "Well, you know, why don't you look for another job?" You know, and, and he was telling me about some of the people he worked with. Whoa. And it did not sound like it was a, a good place to be created, created creativity-wise. And he couldn't risk it. He said he had to follow the, the syllabus. He had to follow things all the time. And he ended up, he got another job. He wrote me later. And he was totally happy. So, you know, yeah. if you well, can't risk take, I guess my message is, teachers listening out there, if you can't risk take, and can't be creative where you are, and you can't do what you want to do as a teacher, then you can always move on. You don't have to stay there. And there are lots of teaching jobs today. So you teachers out there who are listening, you know, it's a good thing to think about. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're right. There's, there's always going to be things that we have to do as teachers that we can't get away from. But I do have to say um, something great about my current administration is they do allow for us to take those risks. Like we, we still have, you know, rubric, we still have curriculum, uh, scope and sequence that we follow, but the fact that they let us try to take these risks and let us try to do these things. Um, I am very, I am very happy to say that we have that support from our administration because I do realize that not everybody has that. No, everybody doesn't, but, uh, but many schools do, but there are some that don't, and I'm glad you said that. Uh, what about curiosity? Uh, what What do you think the difference between creativity and curiosity is? Again, I think that goes to the implementation because um, I could see how my students are doing on a certain subject, and I could start thinking, I wonder if this would work. I wonder if this would work. Maybe I should try this. Maybe I could do this differently. But that's where curiosity kind of stops versus, okay, I have these curious thoughts. What if I do this? What if I do this? And that's where the creativity kicks in. Okay, we're going to do this. And I actually implement it. And I actually try and see um, if by tweaking something or doing something, if it works better. Yeah, and um, I don't know if you saw on my Facebook the posts sometimes I put on there about uh, Christina Rocha. She was on our Cuba program several years back. She started this uh, Facebook group uh, for teachers, and it's called Curiosity and 
something else. It's really a cute little title. And uh, if you want me to, I can send you a link. You know, the, no, to, please do. I, I, uh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen it. So I get yeah. on Facebook here and there. <laughs> yeah. You, you so. would, you would love the, the, the group of teachers, incredibly creative teachers and, and they're curious and it's, she, she's done a lot of uh, research and work on curiosity in the mm -hmm. world language classrooms. And she teaches in Athens, Greece. She teaches Spanish in Athens, Greece. And wow. she's married to a Griego, a Greek, uh, uh, I think he may be a engineer or architect, one of those two things. But uh, but a great, great teacher, and she did a, she's done a great job with this this Facebook group. And you may like you probably like it a, a lot, and you can join join up. And uh, but anyway, uh, she's done a lot of work in the curiosity in the world language classroom. So. Uh, what qualities make an outstanding world language teacher? Um, I mean, passion. You have to be passionate about what you're teaching because if you're not, if you're trying to sell something, the kids aren't going to buy it, you know. So they have to see that you're passionate. Yes. Um, having enthusiasm, you know, enthusiasm about what you what you're doing. Um, being caring again. The students knowing that you see them more than just a Spanish student, but you value them. I think those things in any teaching um, position, no matter where you're teaching math, English, world language, you have to have those three things first to be, um, I think, to be an outstanding teacher. As far as world language, um, as I stated previously, teaching or learning a world language is very different than most other classes because you can't do that cram study, I'm going to do well, like uh, you may be able to do that on some tasks short term, but long term, if you don't know the language, you're not going to be able to speak it. Like if we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And so um, realizing that and trying to teach that with the kids and instill those good those study habits and getting them to see the importance of that foundation, um, I think is a great or probably the best way to start in teaching a world language is, is seeing the importance of that and the importance of learning a language outside of, of the classroom. So do you have a favorite game you like to play with the students in class? Um, goodness. Uh, see, this, this year, again, I'm, I'm trying to think to years previous. I know we've, we've done various various games, and my mind is, is blanking at the moment. This, this year, we've done a lot of games uh, with they're more, they have to be online because right, of the way right. things are. Um, this year, currently, my students really love what's called what's called Look It. And so you create questions and they have to answer the questions. And um, there's all different types of levels you can play and games you make out of. It's a really neat site. It's free. I would recommend you, you uh, anyone listening, check it out because like they have one that's in a cafe where they have to serve food to the customers by answering questions. They have another one that's in a factory and they're the same yet different. And so the kids just can't seem to get enough of it. Um, and years past. Now that's a very that, that, that we played, but yeah, my that, mind is just, I'm yeah. trying to think of those yeah. and I can't really. That, that's a virtual, that, that's, those are virtual games you were talking about. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. Um, well, listen, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. 
And uh, I uh, know everybody's going to get a lot out of what you said and your ideas, your creativity, and your uh, knowledge of technology, which is very, very uh, profound. And I uh, really appreciate you having uh, coming on the show. It's been an honor to have you in the show. And uh, we will uh, uh, chat further. And uh, if you want to stay on the on on, on uh, we're we're uh, doing our recording via uh, Zoom and uh, on GarageBand. And so uh, if you would stay there for a minute, we'll chat for a few more minutes uh, after uh, I uh, bid farewell to everybody. So um, thank you again. And uh, thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you on the show. Wonderful. And uh, uh, listeners out there, uh, be ready. Uh, the next show, we're going to have a surprise a guest who uh, writes music and uh, does some interesting things and uh, uh, and uh, deals with uh, uh, music and uh, creativity. So uh, stay tuned for that one. Uh, thank you again, listeners, and have a wonderful rest of the day. And uh, we will catch up with you. Thank you so much. And uh, Katie Kansen, get make sure you get some rest. Okay, bye.